see the issue we have before they even take off. It sounds they like the plane can't go that far, Ryan. <laughs> they're roughly 500 miles from what they're supposed to be able to go. Well, you know, Steve, if you just follow the speed limit, you'll get better gas mileage. I've heard that. Well, I, you know, the problem is is that if they had other planes that they could, like, tailgate, they could draft off those yeah. planes. Pick up some mileage. They, they could do some mid-air drifting as well. Yeah. You know? Every morning on the 417, there are people drafting my car. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Ryan, along with Steve. <laughs> That's going to be Steve, me or Steve? <laughs> <laughs> and the other Steve. hey <laughs> A little bit different. It's weird sitting on this side, like this side of the table. Like, I, yeah, I, yeah, don't get used to it. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like I just passed out. Like, I didn't know what to do. You're now in the twilight zone. Wait, uh, nobody opened a bottle. Don't no, I, I cracked my beer, trust me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I cracked mine. Okay. That's like my thing. I can't I can't mess that up and forget to do that every episode. Wait, you did it? I just didn't hear it because it doesn't come over Discord. That's fine. Yeah, Discord. Discord's lame. I can't I can't steal his better. He'll like beat me up like Mo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the original Alfalfa. <laughs> so we're kinda switching stuff up. I uh, spent the last couple weeks uh, writing a script. And listen, I, I don't want you guys to get upset, okay? I actually told them just before the show today <laughs> that uh, I wanted to kind of hijack this. I, I intentionally left out, though, that the idea for this came from a meme. So I don't... <laughs> it came from a meme? That's fine. Inspiration from comes meme. from everywhere. It 100% was born out of a meme. And I will, I'll, I'll show you... I'll, I'll actually post it in the chat well, later on. I, I, you take your time because I got some, uh, some cheese... Cheese balls, you know, like the, the the snack. I yeah. got them uh, getting stale in the other room, and I like them stale. Yeah, they, so take your time. They they've been moldering for a good while. I left. <laughs> I, I'm doing some tests. I left the first batch. I left out for about an hour and a half before I started digging in. Perfect. Uh-huh. Nice nice bite. This one I'm going to leave out for the entire podcast and see how gross they are. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be delicious. Can't wait. So, guys, let me ask you a question. How do you guys feel about women? They're great. They ruin everything. They ruin movies. They ruin video games. They're, they're destroying we culture. This, we can rewind and restart this recording. Right? <laughs> I don't know how I feel um, about them voting. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Well, as, as long as they follow their husband, it's fine. Oh my god. <laughs> now, pretty uh, pretty much, my opinion on women is this: they have it way worse than us. So be doubly kind. There's literally yeah. no way, like, there's no other measurement. You know, and there's some women who I've encountered in my life who, who say that that's not true, but uh, the vast majority tend to agree with me and appreciate that sentiment. Yeah. Well, well, before before we get on this train, I'm just going to say dudes rock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dude, dudes, dudes rock. Yeah, absolutely. Dudes are the best. All right, so women have a pretty generally favorable opinion in you guys' eyes. How do y'all feel about Nazis? <laughs> No, we're not doing the She-Wolf of the Nazi, whatever the hell her name is. No, we're not doing that. Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. <laughs> we're not doing that. Uh, I think they are very interesting, but also probably, like, the worst thing of, in the 20th century. Just because, <laughs> and there's probably worse things, you know? Like, a lot of people argue about the Holodomor and all that stuff, but 
I mean, I just don't. I mean, I feel like it's just such a pivotal. But they're pretty bad. Thing, like, yeah. They're up there. They're, they're yeah. They're certainly if there's a if there's a bar for what evil is defined as, yeah. They're S tier, right? They're 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 sort of like your your history's Pennywise. They're just like murderous clowns. <laughs> Actually, I'll give you that. <laughs> I tell you what, I this is working out great. Steve's humor's on point, man. I, I don't is. know. Maybe like we've been this. doing this wrong. All right, Maybe then un- unchain the beast. Yeah, you let, let's you look, let him let's, go. Let me, let me get through this. And See, then before he had so much, <laughs> he had so much to say on paper that it was like he he had to hold back. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't allowed to just let loose. <laughs> All right, so that being said, how do you guys feel about women that kill Nazis? Uh, I mean, that'd be great. That's great, right? That sounds like a good... Pretty hot. Yeah, it's pretty hot. It's hot, right? Yeah. So uh, what we're talking about today is we're talking about the 588th Bomber Regiment. Uh, this was an all-female regiment in the Soviet Red Army. Uh, who flew an astounding 30,000, roughly 30,000 combat missions. Damn. Uh, and also resupply missions. For That's a lot army. of sorties. That's a lot of sorties. And we will actually, later on, we will get into uh, how many that really is uh, when you uh, compare it to uh, when you American use, Yeah, you have, to use, and, you have to convert to inches. Yeah, yeah you yeah. got to convert to uh, freedom <laughs> units. Um now, even though we're talking about uh, a group that uh, primarily and only operated during World War II, to kind of give us some background, to kind of ease us in a little bit, we're going to start in 1937. So in the 30s, you had aviators here in the States that everybody knew. You had Charles Lindbergh, you had the Amelia Earharts, you had the household names for pilots. Now in the Soviet Union, they obviously had their hero aviators. However, you're not going to hear things like Amelia Earhart. You're not going to hear things like Charles Lindbergh. You'll hear about guys like Mikhail Gromov, who in 1937, my uncle, two crew members, uh, broke the world distance record for longest nonstop flight. And they flew from Moscow to California via an incredibly dangerous North Pole route. And then upon their successful return, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Next year, no, 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 wait, let me finish. Next year, the Soviet Union would one up themselves by going for the world record again, but this time with an all female crew. So, wait, this guy flew through the North Pole to get to California? What part of California? Correct. Like Northern California? Uh, I believe it was San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that like, if I'm remembering correctly, isn't that like South Central kind of? Well, that's 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 kind of how you uh, that's kind of how you fly over overseas. Like like usually when I flew to China, we would fly over like not not to like the North Pole, North Pole, but you get to sort of like the edge of like the polar area of like mm-hmm. the sea. That's crazy. and then you fly over like um, parts of like Russia, Mongolia to get there. So and I um, that that's sort of how the modern thing works. I actually learned how big Russia was when I was researching this because like it looks big on a map and then you actually <laughs> you'll see. But right, if you like, put it on a polarized Christ. map and it's like it's insanely huge. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so Stalin selected three women who were already very accomplished pilots, uh, each of them already holding one or more world records for female aviators. They were pilot Valentina Grizzadubova. Let me uh, interrupt you again. Co- isn't, yeah. it, isn't it just aviatress? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> sure. They were aviatress. No. <laughs> Valentina Grizzadubova, co-pilot Polina Osipenko, and the navigator on the flight, and the woman who would go on to form the subject of today's story, Marina Raskova. 
Got it. So, September 24th, 1938, the trio takes off from a small airfield just outside of Moscow in a Topolov Ant 37, nicknamed Rodina. Uh, this was your standard uh, prop plane for the time in the 30s. It was nothing special about this plane. However, under optimal conditions, the plane had a range of approximately 3,100 miles. Uh, the trio's destination, however, That's pretty was, far. Uh, 3,100 is Wait, very what far. Wait, what I year mean, was that? 1938. 1938, they could take a prop plane 3,100 miles? 3,100 miles. Have, we have to remember, too, like, uh, before this, you know, you had uh, Lindbergh had, had flown, like, cross-Atlantic, and, like, Amelia Earhart's claim to fame was that she was going to fly around the, the whole world. So so it was, like, within the realm of possibility at that time. Did they mm-hmm. did they gas up in the air or anything like that? I mean, nope. like... there is no mid-air refueling. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, while it, while they're flying, they just hook it up to, like, the Got tank. Got a jerry can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Nah, so, again, the range is, 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 a, is roughly 3,100 miles. Obviously, nobody has flown these Topolovs too empty to crash, so... They just know, uh, you know, approximately... Somebody mathed it up. Tank. Yeah, somebody yeah, mathed nobody, it. nobody did the glide or anything else like that. <laughs> uh, so the problem is that their destination was uh, this place called Komsolosk on Amur, which is 3,600 miles away, uh, specifically 3,671 miles away. You see the issue we have before they even take off. It sounds they like are... the plane can't go that far, Ryan. <laughs> They're roughly <laughs> 500 miles from what they're supposed to be able to go right well you know steve if you just follow the speed limit you'll get better gas mileage. i've heard that well i you know the problem is is that if they had other planes that they could like tailgate they could draft off those planes pick up some mileage they they could do some mid-air drifting as well you know every morning on the 417 there are people drafting my car you, you know how Russians feel about Eurobeat, so... <laughs> oh, and we're going to get into some very Russian antics here in a few minutes, though, so... <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, you guys see the problems. We're, we're 500 miles, uh, you know, off of what we're expecting to hit, right? Um, once in the air, however, once they took off, within approximately 30 minutes, uh, problems started compounding. The major problem that they're running into is thick layers of clouds obscuring their visibility. They can't see the ground. They can't see the stars. They can't see anything. And with these cloud conditions, all the wings are starting to ice over. So the solution to this is you climb. You climb above the clouds. Uh, So they are well above the clouds, and now they can no longer see the ground at all. Not long after the fact that they climbed over the clouds, uh, the radio went out. So there is no radio. There is no view of the ground. No soap radio. Just about the entirety of the of the flight. Marina Raskova used the stars, a compass, and their airspeed to roughly determine their locations as they flew across Siberia. First of all, badass. Yeah, it's you pretty cool. I don't think I can find my way out of my neighborhood. Well, I mean, they teach that like in basic navigation. You know, they have to. All those people have to learn that. Yeah, it's it's still. That alone is but kind to, of But to be able to do it in distress is definitely like, wow, you know. Mm-hmm. So when the clouds finally broke, the trio found themselves located over the Tugur Bay in the Sea of Oktosk, which is approximately 300 miles directly north of their intended destination. And to add to their problems... So they went 3,900 miles? ...are now on E. They are 300 miles north of where they're intending to be. So they went... So if it was 3,600, they went 39, right? No, uh, you got to understand, they kind of were off course the entire time heading north. Okay. 
Alright, so... I don't understand. <laughs> ...are dead. And they're... Or, I'm sorry, the fuel tanks are on E, and they are flying on fumes. Desperately searching for a place to land, the plane's engines died before they could find a suitable area, and the plane went into an uncontrolled glide. And at this point, with the crash landing all but inevitable, the pilot, Valentina Grizzadubova, turned to Marina Raskova, who was the assigned navigator, and at this point had nothing else to do, and ordered her to parachute out of the plane, which is at about 6,500 feet, hoping that this would increase Raskova's chances of survival. Raskova, however, determined to make this jump and survival as difficult as possible for herself, chose to leave her emergency survival kit for the other two women, reportedly taking only two chocolate bars for food to his, to sustain her for her trek through Siberia. I mean, they got two chocolate bars with their kit, right? Like, <laughs> they got, like, two chocolate bars and, like, six Mar- Marlboroskis, <laughs> like, cigarettes. To, to give... To give you an idea of, of where they are, is that they're heading towards, I'm, I'm guessing, Kamchatka. Uh, the destination where they were supposed to land is called Komsolosk on Amur. Uh, it's like the most eastern part of Russia that you can get. So so it's probably in Kamchatka then, okay. which is that peninsula that's, that juts off sort of like the the far eastern edge of, yes. of Russia. Yes, that area. Um, isn't, that, the, the, isn't that the The area? prime real estate in risk. Ah, yeah. uh, okay. Mm, Isn't that the area yeah. they're trying to get to in the mummy? <laughs> what? Which mummy? <laughs> I've only seen one mummy. I've never seen any other mummies. Ah. Um, no, you're thinking of Egypt, Steve. <laughs> Egypt. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, Could have sworn they were all Russian in the mummy. Russian um, to Amampur. Kamlamblatsk, Amlampur. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, I practice these goddamn names. I hope you can under- I hope you can hear it, like in my pronunciation. I can hear it in your like uh, visceral excitement. Listen, I, I'm all, look, I'm not even like to the good shit yet. This is gonna get really great. Are you like so. full chub right now, or like half chub? <laughs> <laughs> no. no, do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so they're they're, Marina Raskova they're landed, floating, so she, and they land in landed. Egypt, right? They land in Egypt. So when Raskova safely landed in Cairo, okay? Uh. <laughs> 37,000 miles off course. Yeah, she would be killing it in war zone. All right, yeah. so when she landed, she noted the direction that the plane was gliding in and began her hike following it. As for Osipenko and Grizzadubova, they were forced to make a gear-up dead stick landing on its, uh, in a frozen swamp near the northern part of the Amgun River. Uh, basically, this is the landing gear has not extended... Uh, and dead stick because there's absolutely no propulsive force. They are just kind of crossing their fingers and praying to God they can find a good solid space to basically glide in. Um, because, again, no landing gear down. Thankfully, they are uh, in a frozen swamp, so the uh, you know river banks and things like that is not a huge issue. Um, however, uh, they were able to put the plane down and neither suffered any major injuries. As far as Marina Raskova, she hiked for 10 full days with two chocolate bars uh, before she located the wreckage of the plane and her crewmates. I'm going to stop because now this is the most Russian shit, the craziest, like, ridiculous shit, right? Right. While she is hiking, before she catches up to her two crewmates, okay, two search planes, they found the wreckage of the crashed plane. There's two of them up there. They find them, right? While... The women watched from below. The two search planes collided in midair and killed all 15 men on board. 
That is some Russian shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. But in good news, a couple days later, the women were rescued by boat. And when they arrived back in Moscow, they had learned that their journey, which all told, managed over 4,000 miles in 26 hours and 29 minutes. In there. Had indeed set the world distance record for a straight line, nonstop, all-women crew. This, in combination with how they handled themselves and the harrowing conditions after, mm-hmm. led all three to be given the, quote, Hero of the Soviet Union award. Uh, yeah, other- but, oh. dude, I have two of those. It's not... It's not like a big deal. I mean, <laughs> Steve just threw out a box of them. He had a whole bunch. Yeah, not not to humble brag. You yeah. Know, but, you know, they were just taking up space. Also, they're super cheap on eBay now. I think oh. I, one time I was bowling, and I like they were, it was like Moonlight Bowling. You know, they have the colored pins. And uh-huh. there was a red pin as the head pin, and I, I striked it. And then, like, uh, some Soviet figures came out and handed me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I didn't even know what was happening like the over the the PA system they started playing like no 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 you know <laughs> just started playing the Soviet national anthem yep. <laughs> oh god anyway. all right so fast forward all right now it's <laughs> 1941 uh, Germany has That's the kind. The, by the way, that's the kind of argument that you'd hear today if, like, when women have an accomplishment, there's always some fucking dude who's just like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, who cares? <laughs> so what? Like the other day, there was an all-woman, all-female, um, like broadcast team for mm-hmm. a baseball game or something. Mm-hmm. I think it was a baseball game, and. Uh, the comments, like the thread, were just ridiculous. Like it was a, mm-hmm. it's a historic moment, you know. Like women weren't even allowed to even get involved in that stuff. Uh, probably only been doing it for like the last 30, 40 years, maybe. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fr- the first one I think was in eighty five. Yeah, so we're talking like a recent, like within our lifetime, they were not allowed to do it, right? And like the no, comments no. are just horrendous. Like, who gives a shit? They're probably gonna suck. Or at least they're not Joe Buck, like like just stupid <laughs> shit like that. And I'm like, Jesus, celebrate you pieces of shit. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know. People wonder Four, why baseball is dying. Yeah, exactly. Four thousand uh, miles yeah. is nothing, by the way. I've done forty one hundred, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that, that that was kind of the point Fucking where I was like, man. wait a minute, they didn't even make it out of Russia, and I actually like pulled it up in Google Earth, and I was like. They went 4,100 miles, and they didn't even leave Russia. That's how big that country is. That's crazy, dude. And the the area of the country they were on into, like, they might as well have been on the moon in, in terms of, like, survivability. Nothing there, huh? Yeah, it's just, like, nothing. Um, at that time of the year, obviously, just, like, snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Um, possibility of, like, giant, like, polar bears. Just tearing them up. Yeah. I went... Um, <laughs> From Trenton, New Jersey to Orlando, uh, which is a little over a thousand miles, and uh, and I was still in New Jersey, so. <laughs> <laughs> Every day when someone cuts me off, I I know I can smell the pork roll on them. <laughs> uh, so fast forwarding, we'll go you know jump forward in time a little bit. It's going to be June of 1941. Uh, Germany has made the the five-head decision to double-cross Stalin and go for gold by invading the Soviet Union in Operation Barbarossa. Now, 
I know that you guys know what Operation Barbarossa is. However, if there's anybody that's here that's not familiar with it, uh, during this, this is essentially uh, Hitler's double cross of Stalin and, and basically kind of uh, throwing the non-aggression pact that was signed in 1939 just kind of out to the wind, uh, believing that with the Blitzkrieg or the Lightning War, that the Nazis throwing almost 4 million soldiers would be able to destroy the Soviet Union's Red Army, seize the cities of Moscow, Leningrad, and Kiev, as well as overthrow the Soviet Union's government and exploit Soviet territory for the benefit of Germany. How'd that work out? How that worked out. <laughs> the operation is widely seen as a failure directly because of poor communication and disagreements because of Nazi leadership. However, they were still able to destroy roughly 66 airfields and about 80% of the Soviet Union's military aircraft. It was because of this that the Soviet Union had abundance of combat-ready pilots, but a severe shortage of planes in which to fly. While this environment may not be conducive to allowing women into the cockpit, much less into a combat position in an aircraft, it was Marina Raskova who would ultimately convince Stalin to establish all-female squadrons. She did this in two different ways. The first, and my personal favorite if we're talking about this was to berate joseph stalin over and over about how refusing to use half your able-bodied citizens to fight when the nazis were perilously close to moscow was foolish and the second was noting that although there were few combat ready aircraft available due to the destruction wrought by the germans during their attack there were however a large number of polkarpov po2s available hmm. can you imagine the balls it takes to berate somebody like joseph stalin I mean, when you're a woman in Russia and you have a modicum of, like, you know, clout, let's say, Twitter followers. Uh, she's, a, she's definitely got a blue check. Yeah. I mean, like, you got to do what you got to do. I think people like Stalin, it's a 50-50 shot. He's going to kill you anyway, so you might as well just, you know, shoot your shot, right? Especially if you're just seeing people. I like that one I photo. Would. What's that photo, Steve? That photo where he's like got the one guy's in the photo and then he's out of the photo. Oh, uh, his photo with with Yizhov, who is the head of uh, what came to be known as the NKVD, and and Yizhov got purged during the Great Purge, and then they airbrushed him out of all the the history oh, books. Yeah, yeah. they photoshopped him in in the forties, fifties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just gone. It's it's hilarious. I didn't know what the meme was, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So, But I think like there, with guys like Stalin, you, you just have to shoot your shot, man. You, you can't go in there half-cocked. Like, he probably <laughs> he probably respects – she went in there no-cocked. It probably – he probably respects people who are direct with how they feel and aren't, like, lying to him more than he respects, like, somebody who says exactly what he wants to hear, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I – I, I could see that. I watched Death of Stalin. I could see that. Oh, I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's such a good. It's movie. on. It's on Netflix. You should. It's pretty funny. Ah, it's one hundred percent worth the watch, dude. Oh man. It it's uh it's it's done by the same guy who did uh, Veep and and the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Oh. <laughs> Into the thick of it. Into the thick. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So listen, the Pol- the Polakarpov Po two. I'll get into the technical specifications of it in a minute here. However, just as a kind of general idea of it, this is an open-air cockpit, two-seat biplane made of literally wood and canvas. Now, let me ask you uh, a question. They, they most, Did they call yeah. it a cockpit because it was a pit of cocks? Like, like Probably. 
Like, I, I'm not trying to sound like what's-his-name from the ghost episode of uh, You Should Leave, or I Think You Should Leave. But did they? Like, is that is that what they did? Like, why is well, it called a cockpit? The title comes to us from, quote, cock, which is an old English term for a small boat, and swain, which means servant. Cock swain, um, yeah, okay. Over, I know what a cock, time, this I know what a cock swain compartment. is. Yeah, so the steering compartment of smaller boats where the cock swain sat became the cockpit. Got it. Right? On board. So It's interesting, the, this, the ghosts. These planes were mostly meant for training and crop dusting. Uh, if you want an idea of what I'm talking about, think of like the Red Baron from World War One. These planes were manufactured in Dude, 1928. he's got so they the quite best possibly... fucking pizza, bro. It's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I just had one yesterday. Really good. Imagine you were like an amazing pilot you know just like spearheaded a movement to the to the, like your own little movement to the point where you became a mythos and then a mm-hmm. hundred years later you're a pizza oh, that's that's gotta be rough man you know he has he has a better uh better legacy than herman goring another world war one fighter ace so <laughs> yeah, that's a good point <laughs> Jesus Christ. but uh but so, but so steve put a picture in the chat you can actually see what these what 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 these planes were in reserve and there were there were a ton of these planes they were there were like i wasn't scrolled really? down all the way so i just saw the russian guy wearing shorts in the snow <laughs> and i was like really they just rode this guy around <laughs> they just flew him <laughs> uh, but manufactured in 1928 these were quite possibly the worst aircraft in the entire soviet arsenal <laughs> Uh, with this excess number of planes available... Of course, they gave those the to the Soviets, women. Uh, yeah, none of the Soviet aces were clamoring to jump in the cockpit of the Polokarpov due to its woeful capabilities, which, like I said, we'll talk about in a second. And with Marina Raskova refusing to drop the issue, Stalin gave in and ordered Raskova to form three all-female squadrons. However, the 588th Bomber Regiment, which is the one that we're going to talk about today, was the only one to remain staffed entirely by women throughout the duration of the war. Which war? Uh, World War 17, uh, two, sorry, two. Two, okay, got it, okay. (laughs) Didn't know. Uh, Initially, as you'd suspect, this all-female aviation regiment was not welcomed into the military with open arms. Uh, Many of their male counterparts saw them as inferior and treated them with a lack of respect. The women of the regiment were given the hand-me-downs of ill-fitting uniforms and oversized shoes by the men, as well as rudimentary tools such as rulers, flashlights, and pencils that lacked the, quote, luxury that the male soldiers received with their tools. And I use luxury very loosely because this is the Soviet Union in the 40s, so luxury to them is having radar guns and radios. Uh... Just, just to give you an idea of like how bad the, the supply situation was for women in like the Red Army was that they didn't like they just gave them men's clothing and they didn't give them anything for like sort of like a sanitary like thing for when they were on their period. Mm-hmm. So most of them had to like shove a rag, um, mm-hmm. you know, up there in order to like stem the bleeding. Um, and and the uniforms they had to wear, which the men also wore, were notoriously bad. Because while the outside of the uniform was clean, Notorious. the the uh, the inside like padding of the uniform, which was like a was cotton, was not clean. So if you got shot, your your uniform would probably kill you because you have like unclean like cotton that's never been sort of like like cleaned or treated, mm-hmm. going into your wound with the bullet, causing Straight an infection immediately. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck, dude? They also would actually have to shove uh, like strips of cloth into the toes of the boots that they were issued because the boots 
didn't fit him. They, again, were getting hand-me-downs. There were holes in the boots. They, they didn't fit him. They were too big. Um, I don't think they had the problem being too small. But you know, So we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so but my parents, uh, my mom, <laughs> and specifically, I think it was my dad, always made sure we had shoes, like never hand me down shoes <laughs> yeah. like we thank god for payless you know payless was the shit back in the day you know go get payless your fucking still the shit. go get your attack force <laughs> your attack force basketball shoes it's like i had attack force but my brother would save all the money that he got for christmas and shit to get jays but like oh man nah bro yeah but like you know i think it was my dad mainly because my dad was obsessed with you wearing socks and keeping your feet clean because he was mm-hmm. in vietnam I was going to say, yeah, because he was in Vietnam. So, like, like, yeah. like my, my grandfather who fought in the Pacific, he didn't have any toenails because his uh, because he didn't, like, clean his socks or whatever oh, enough. Dude, Jesus. And so his, his toenails got infected or whatever, and they, they fell off, and, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's what happens. Like, that's essentially what happens. My toenails, they it fell off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the women who would come to pilot these death traps were all from 17 to 26 years old. Uh, most with absolutely no combat experience, although they did have pilot experience. And while you may think no, they're women, the dude. They had combat experience. Yeah, fighting with their husbands. <laughs> the vodka. It's Russia, dude. <laughs> These were like, world class boxers at that point. If they <laughs> made it that far, they were no specific uh, uh, war experience. We'll say that. We'll, we'll put it like I'm that. just busting chops, uh, dude. Yeah, go. <laughs> now you know how. Now you know how Steve feels. <laughs> and while you think that the nickname that they would come to earn would be something along the lines of target practice uh, because of their abysmal aircraft, due to their incredible effectiveness, tenacity, bravery, and near non-stop bombardment of the Nazis at the front lines starting on June 8th, 1942 and continuing all the way to Berlin on May 7th, 1945, they earned another nickname, the Night Witches, or as the Nazis called them, the Nachtenhexen. So The what? The knock what? If you're gonna say it in German, it's the Nachtexen, not the oh not Texan. It's the Nachtexen. That it's, is. It's a literal translation of the Night Witches. I mean, I feel bad saying it because obviously they were being douchebags, but that's a great moniker, you know. So here's the. Yes, deal. I am a Night Witch. The Nazis would call them this, and, and we'll get into this in a few minutes, but the Nazis would call them this. They, they, they used it for various reasons. They called them this, and the women actually started to embrace it. Mm. It, was, uh, it was initially meant as a slur. However, these women would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm a night witch. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, me. Fuck yeah. That's me. Yeah. I'd be like the that's one me. dude in like the video, in like the, the made-for-TV movie who wants to be a night witch. I want to be a night witch. I want to be one of you. <laughs> I don't want to be with these guys. I don't want to. All right. So to, now I'm going to go back to the planes, the, the Polokarpovs, because it, it is very, very important to the story of the Night Witches to, to fully grasp how totally 100% outmatched they were in every aspect of, of, of everything. Like there is no category in which they were better than the Nazis in anything objectively. Just putting them up Whoa, straight against. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Do you mean... The from plane. someone's just the, plane. just the plane okay i was gonna say like because the, the nazis the really weren't like the idea that the nazis were super soldiers is largely a fucking myth it's a it's bullshit oh, of course yeah yeah They're jacked yeah. up on meth yeah well i mean we know that part because we did that episode about it by the way <laughs> fantastic episode love it great great book great book uh but yeah like the idea that they were like this superior military force is just horse shit no they were just fast 
and fast does not always mean better. But they were. I will give it to them that the Nazis were fast. I tell you, I ever t- I think about it all the time, to. dude. Like if I was, like if you had gotten me on Adderall, like in eighth grade, oh, dude, the places I could have gone <laughs> in life. But so, it, it, comparatively, just objectively, the planes. Okay, uh, it's 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 absolutely pants on head crazy mm-hmm. to even arm these planes, much less put somebody behind the yoke and expect them to fly in a combat Why? capability or capacity. Okay, is it dangerous? So, like, have they, have they not been tested to be armed? Very dangerous, because as I mentioned, the Polokarpov was a biplane made entirely of wood and fabric. Right. Okay, so like I said, the famous, the Red Baron. Okay, that's what you're thinking about when you think of this plane or the actual plane that Steve put in the chat is, is the actual plane itself. Fucking plane is um, nothing but cotton and pizza bones. It basically, it's like fucking Pizza Hut boxes and t-shirts. Like, that's all, that's all it <laughs> no, is. No, we learned last night that, that pizza bones is, is what you refer to crusts as, yeah, pizza it's, bones. It's like that... It's like that Finnish guy's plane where he made his own plane out of just like oh yeah from the library and, it's and like that. just parts from his farm. Steve, that it's was a very that. that was a very long tweet, but I was on the edge of my seat for you reading that. That was amazing. <laughs> well, the the thing with a biplane is is that you have to have the the machine gun um, specially timed, okay? Because it it obviously goes uh, in front of the cockpit um, because you can't put it on the wings because the wings can't actually support. Um, you know, a modern uh, at this time machine gun. So, so it has to be timed because if it's not, like in like in Indiana Jones, I was about like to you're say gonna, you're gonna you're gonna blow off <laughs> Junior, part of your plane. I got him. They they got us. No, they got us. I, I, I will get into the machine guns and things like that in a second. <laughs> they got us. All right. So the the Polakarpov Po two, while easy to fly, was incredibly fragile and incredibly slow. It had a cruising speed of 68 miles per hour with a top speed of a breakneck 94 miles per hour that you did not want to exceed unless you wanted the wings to fall off. Right. The plane had a max climb rate of 500 feet a minute, and the engine had a peculiar noise which the Germans likened to a sewing machine, and they described as nerve-wracking. The plane itself was described as, quote, a coffin with wings. As far as an armament, they would each be loaded with six bombs, each weighing 110 pounds. That said, the pilots were under no illusions about the, quote, insufficiency, primitiveness, and defenselessness of their planes, as pilot Nina Raspopova bluntly put it. My girl. Describing, huh? I don't know her. Uh, she, you know, she, she's from down the block. I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's uh, Craig's cousin. You know Craig? <laughs> Describing her experiences after the war, she recalled the terrifying time her plane was casually disemboweled by enemy fire. Quote, I remember feeling like my plane had been hit by a truck and I felt an immense heat. My left foot slipped down into an empty space below me. The bottom of the cockpit had been shot away, she recalled. She was Fred Flintstoning it hundreds of feet in the air. Anywhere from 17 to 26 years old because I don't have an exact age on her. Fred Flintstoning it after the cockpit just got blown out from underneath her. Well, that's what they did during World War One. you know. People, like... Sometimes the pilots, you know, they would have to grab onto the wings and flap them, you know, like a like a bird. Sorry, I went and got another beer. Yeah, you good. Uh, so, remember now, Polokarpov, the cruising speed, 68 miles an hour, top speed, 94, climb rate of 500, right? 500 what? 500 feet a minute. Mm, that's pretty fucking slow. I, I think I can run faster than that. Uh, you absolutely can. 
Yeah. You can absolutely can. It is it is entirely that scene from the the air show episode of The Simpsons <laughs> where Sideshow Bob gets in the spirit of St. Louis and then they, they like launch the jets and they just instantly like, like pass them. So if you compare the Polokarpov Po two to the most common plane that the Nazis were flying, the Fuck Wolf F V one ninety. Say that again. Air, the fuck wolf FV 190 Varigan. <laughs> Motherfucking fuck wolf. All right. And you'll wonder how the Night Witches didn't lose every single plane that they flew. The fuck wolf had 25 times the horsepower of the Polokarpov with an average cruise speed of 280 miles an hour, a max speed of 426 miles per hour, a climb speed greater than 3,000 feet a minute, and each one was outfitted with dual. 13mm MG-131 machine guns that threw lead downrange at approximately 2,500 feet per second at roughly 900 rounds per minute. That's, uh, so, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, the Luftwaffe had, had good, you know, they had good stuff. They had the capability. Yeah. And now when you hear how incredibly outmatched they are, it's one of those, oh, <laughs> What? <laughs> it's like David versus Goliath kind of thing. You know, these women are obviously not... I mean, you're building them up, but they're obviously not like uh, spring chickens. I mean... Yeah. They're they're, they're yeah. seasoned pilots, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about it later, but a lot of these girls uh, had earned their wings by 15 years old and were actually instructors and... Well, doing, you know, you got like, your wings earlier back pilots. then. I mean, you were getting your wings at 15 back then. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so basically, none of them graduating were new college at fourteen, and you know, yeah. you were in your career by sixteen. Uh, so, and and if you know, you want the actual reason as to why they didn't literally all get shot down, uh, just you know, like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, the, the the key is that they were too slow. So their top say, speed say is far lower than the fuck wolf's stall speed, and they're probably so not they not physically slow down. Enough That's amazing. Good solid shots. Yes. Uh, and the only actual record that they have of serious damage being done to the regiment at all uh, was at the hands of German fighter ace Josef Kosiak, who grounded the regiment for an entire night by shooting down three of their planes on the night of July 31st, 1943. Three of them got shot down. They grounded the regiment. But generally speaking the Nazis could not use air-to-air capabilities to take down these planes. That's, now, that's crazy. I'm sure somebody is wondering, well, you know, what happens if these planes, they do line them up? You know, what it, what, what did they have? You mean they got like, a pistol. You mean like, wait, say that again? If they... They got a pistol. It's just a pistol. The, the Night Witches got a pistol. That's it. That's that was their anti-air defense. That was their defense. They got a pistol. Uh, now, remember, weight comes at a very, very big premium in these shitbox planes that they're right. flying. Right, you're barely getting flight. So they get no machine guns. the The six bombs were effectively what they got, and they were each given a pistol, a compass, a map, and a hearty good luck. So if a plane lines you up behind you, they were to fire you know, pew 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 fire at it. Uh, they also got no parachutes in the event that they were shot down due to how low they were generally flying and the uselessness of a shoot at that altitude. And also, there were no radios to call for help or communicate with other members of the squadron. They got the plane, the few items that they were given, like I said, the map, the compass, and the pistol, and the ice water in their veins. That's what they got. 
I mean, that's pretty much what we give women now, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what they give women in what? Florida, just a pistol and the ice water in their veins, and that's it. Not, not, not to diminish their accomplishments as well, it's, it's also just a testament to, like, how ill-equipped and how ill-prepared the Axis powers were. And this is, like, not just Germany, this is also, you know, Finland, this is Romania, Hungary, um, oh, whoa, whoa, the, whoa, the whoa. Slovak collaborators. fine. All right. <laughs> um, just, just the fact that, like, just how like messed up their supply lines were, and and how they had to deal with all this. And this is not to mention, like, they're not the only like Soviet Air Force units that are attacking. You know, like they have things like IL, IL twos, which are essentially like a flying tank that's used for close air support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also vehicles like the the Yak nine, which is like a modern like fighter craft that gets introduced later on. So it's not like. You know they're the, they're the only thing out there as well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, so at this point, you you may be wondering how these women not all not only almost all survived, which they almost all survived, uh, but also proved to be incredibly effective, uh, given that their slow speed, given that in their slow speeds that they would be turned into Swiss cheese in a dogfight, and the fact that they had deployed their paltry payloads at an extremely low altitude to be able to accurately hit their target. Now, also bear in mind these are not laser guided bombs these are not you know the the b-17 flying fortresses that are dropping their bombs from miles up they're coming in and dropping at them we're counting dozens of feet we're not counting hundreds of feet dozens like they didn't get guidance systems this was a you have to be right over these people's heads to accurately hit this bomb and then take off again and get out of there so any sort of ground-based AA flak gun could easily turn these crafts into wreckage riders. Uh, obviously, you know, kind of putting all this together, uh, flying in the daylight is not really an option if you valued your life. Thus, in an era before wildly accurate terrain mapping and GPS systems to avoid said terrain, these complete badasses voluntarily hopped into their antiquated equipment and would ascend to the heavens in the darkness. The darker, the better. Stealth was their only option for survival, and they would use it to their advantage at every opportunity. Huh. Navigating in the pitch black towards their assigned target, they like just above the fly the plane head. inside of like a in like a cardboard box, like Solid Snake. <laughs> well, you know, it's like they like the soldiers would have to listen, like like if they're if they're coasting, you know, and it's making that sort of like sewing machine sound, like. Like if you, it's like sewing machine. That's how they described it. And if you look at this plane, yeah. you're like, yeah, that thing probably was propelled by a fucking singer. Like, and, and you just, you just hear this like noise on the on the breeze. where you're probably just in some hole with you and like Heinrich and like and Carl drinking drinking like beer or whatever and trying to keep warm. Uh, and then, oh, do you hear that? Do you hear that sound? What is that sound? It's kind of like a tuck, tuck, hey, Heinrich. What is that annoying noise? Oh, shut up, Carl. Underwear holes, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carl, always with the noises. Always with the noises. Shut up, fun boy. And then like, Heinrich's wife is sewing up his poopy holes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's when like the grenade falls in their foxhole. Yeah, just like, like oh, oh no, look is that? <laughs> <laughs> so navigating, like I said, uh, navigating the pitch black towards their assigned targets, flying just above the treetops to avoid being spotted by enemy aircraft and radar while getting as close as possible to their target. Talk about ballsy. Once located, they would employ a large number of different strategies to get close enough to deliver their pet their deadly payloads. These included flying in groups of three 
Having two of the planes up high attract attention from spotlights and gunfire from the ground, while the third plane would idle their engines, slip in undetected, and drop their bombs. Then, change positions with one of the high planes so that all three may do their bombing runs and then get the fuck out of there. See, that's how I treat a bathroom at a party, like at someone's house, you know. I try to slip in undetected and drop my bombs and then get the fuck <laughs> get out. Right back yeah, out so nobody knows realizes. I was even in there. You just Ooh, hit man shit in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's like playing it's like playing Hitman, you know, you got to get in, you got to do the job and then uh, make sure nobody like dude, nobody saw you. How fun was that? And the original Splinter Cell, like when you just like I would I tried to I tried game. to 100% stealth that game because it was so much fun. You should you should play the new uh, the the newer Hitman games. Are they good? I played one. Yeah, they're really good. Two or three. Hitman was uh, our our biggest fan. Uh, my brother Matt. He has uh, like his shit. Like he loved that game. He used to get all the new ones and stuff when I had GameFly. He's constantly re-renting yeah. it. Yeah, those are great games. Uh, another tactic that the Night Witches would use is what is no- what is considered in Aviation 101 a great way to die especially in the often frigid environments that these women were operating in. At the penultimate moment, just before their target was visible, they would cut their engines and glide in until they were almost literally right over the heads of the enemy. They would then drop their ordnance, restart their engines while crossing their fingers, crossing their toes, and hoping that these shitboxes would restart uh, just a few dozen feet off the ground, and if their luck held, get out of dodge just to return to the airfield, rearm, refuel as fast as possible, and do it again. So this was not... These girls were not doing one and dones. These women were, again, late teens, early 20s, flying these shitbox planes to the front lines, dropping bombs on the Nazis by cutting their engines and gliding in and restarting them in tall and ass. And they did this multiple times a night. This was not, okay, guys, one mission. All right, cool, we're done. Go get some Cadillac sleep. grills. I don't know no. why that's <laughs> Describing this, the chief of staff for the 588th, Irina Rockelbolskaya noted, quote, One girl managed to fly seven times to the front line and back in her plane. She would return shaking, and they would hang new bombs, refuel her plane, slap the side, and she'd fly off again to bomb the target. Somebody who we're going to talk about in a second, uh, Nadiska Popova, said of the Night Witch's strategy, quote, We flew in sequence, one after another, and during the night we never let them rest. The Germans made up stories about us. They spread the rumor that we had been infected with some unknown chemicals that enabled us to see so clearly at night. This was nonsense, of course, but we did have were clever, educated, incredibly talented girls. Dedicated to delivering their payloads, no matter what. One fu- and Okay, so before I actually go into this, this part here is actually kind of what, what caught my attention when I said I, I saw this initially from a meme. What was the meme? If you... So if you type into Google, if you just type in like the Night Witch's meme, one of the very common ones that shows I did, up I did. is a group of girls. I got the Elder face. Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> There's a group of them standing next to a plane, and in the description of the photo, they they kind of go over the Night Witches in a very you know elevator pitch way. But one of the things that they say is that these women would scramble out onto the wing to restart their engines in mid-flight. This is not true. If you look at the plane that Steve posted, it, the engine is mounted to the front of this plane. So you can't climb out onto the wing and restart the engine in midair. It, you're basically essentially turning a key. It's going to be crank. If it doesn't turn, it, you can't. it's not like a, like a manual car. You can't push start it. 
you can't reach the propeller. Right. So when I saw this and I realized this, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, ah, damn, man, like one of the biggest things that got me to research this is, is, is not true because that takes balls to climb out onto a wing and fucking restart. Obviously, it, it, obviously it doesn't. <laughs> well, it takes something. It takes some fortitude. How's that? Right. I found that me. I found a meme for them, and it's just it's a meme. It's a three person meme. It says teacher will be going on a field trip to Russia, and then it says boys, a chica biliat vodka Adidas, and then it just says girls, <laughs> and it's just the night witches. <laughs> I mean, by the way, if you need to know any Russian words, claims. all you need to know is the word biliat. What black? Uh, that was the claim to fame, though. That kind of got me into this, and then when I realized that. It's a, it's a physical impossibility for them to have done that. I was kind of disappointed until I actually did my research. And I, I read a couple books on this and during the course of writing this. But then I found this little, this little tidbit. Uh, dedicated to delivering their payloads no matter what, one former 588th member stated that occasionally the bombs would get stuck while trying to drop them just over the target. The solution was simply to have one of the two women in the plane scramble out onto the wing and kick it loose, often while under heavy enemy fire. Not only was this not uncommon, you have to remember, there are no parachutes, there are no safety lines, it is pitch black, freezing cold, and there are spotlights looking for them. They're so low that they can hear the air raid sirens going off, and the Germans are readying their flak guns and AA guns. And here they are, teenagers, climbing onto the wing of a fucking plane to kick an armed bomb off the plane. It's pretty BA. That's, yeah. Uh, one of the books that I uh, that I read for this is called The Huntress. Um, the author mentions when, or the author noted of the bomb. Also a uh, cybersecurity website. <laughs> you women are crazy. You're incredibly brave, but my God, you're crazy. Which, I mean, that's insane. I mean, that's... That's, no, that's, it's crazy. I mean, I can't even imagine it. You know, I can't imagine it doing that. I, I feel like, though, I feel like once you're up there and you've already been, like, tasked with this and you really don't have a choice, then you might make some crazy decisions like that. I feel like it depends yeah. on the person. You know, obviously some people are going to nope out, but, like, I feel like it's just it was different then, you know? It's, I mean, I can't, I'll well, tell you right now, I couldn't do it. I, there's yeah. no way I could do it. We have to understand that, like, for them, you know, the Great Patriotic War, which is what they refer to World War II, you know, it wasn't just, like, a war. You mean in Russia they refer to it that way, or? Yeah, it, it's not just a, a war, you know, of, of like, just, like, yeah, we need to, like, defeat these people. It was a war of, like, absolute survival, because they knew that the Nazis were, were hell-bent on, like, the extermination and enslavement of the Slavic peoples. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they knew what was going on in occupied territories. They knew, you know, even beforehand, you know, what the Nazis were going to do. So for them, it was just, like, absolute survival. Right, right. So they were going to do... They were, basically, what like you're saying it. is they were going to do what they had to do. Yeah, it's either it's either you die, you know, kicking that bomb into some Germans, or, or you die when, like, uh, German police officers, you know, shoot you in the back of the head and throw you into a into an open God, grave. God, that's such a I Russian thing. Go. Holy shit. <laughs> I know how I'd rather go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like that that's that uh that stupid story about the Chinese general that burned the ships and said you're either gonna die here or or you know, that's it. Like you can't leave. Yeah. You have to die. Yeah. You have to fight. 
And then, you know, I, I don't want you guys to get the wrong impression. Like, these women were absolutely shot down. Um, the Fock Wolf uh, is notorious for using tracer rounds. And when you had a plane that was effectively wooden canvas, one shot, and your, your plane is now on fire. Uh, however, they would get shot down. The plane would, you know, it landed as best they could. And they would hike back to their base just to jump in a new plane. If they could. And do it again. And do it again. And, yeah, as long as they could walk, but... Again, you'll find out here in a second when I kind of go through like some numbers at the end. Yeah, most of them could walk, and they did just fine, even though they got shot down. Because also remember, you're only fifty to hundred feet in the air. You're not like you're coming down from thirty thousand. That's feet jet that's there. fucking crazy, dude. Like, is that real? Fifty, fifty feet. Fifty feet is probably your absolute bare low, but I mean, they're not thousands of feet in the air. That's they're maybe a hundred, and, and they're flying over like fields and, and forests, so it's not like they're you know, yeah, they're, they're going through downtown Moscow, yeah. no, no, no. So <laughs> like skirting treetops, downtown, yeah. oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for the four years that the that these women were active, they flew close, like I said earlier, to an astounding. 30,000 missions into Nazi territory with an average of 250 missions each. And again, because putting them into perspective really kind of lays and, and impresses upon you about how badass these bitches were, right? If they couldn't get more amazing. So, if you were an airman aboard a B-17 Flying Fortress in 1944, you had a 1 in 4 chance of surviving to see 25 total missions. Some of the Night Witches were putting up those kinds of numbers in under a week. One of them, who I'll talk about here in a second, almost managed to put up those kinds of numbers in one night. They're like, they're like putting up 95 Jordan numbers. Like, <laughs> they're just clowning on the Nazis uh, at this point. Shittiest fucking planes in a fleet, and they're like, hey, like, they, they, they can't touch them. They are like Jordan. They they're like Jordan. Win. Jordan with the flu. They're like the flu game. Over and over and over <laughs> again, you know, dropping thirty nine points or whatever it was. Because because the closer the closer to the ground you are, the more accurate your bombing is, which is one of the things with like sort of like why the reason during World War Two like American bombers dropped so many bombs is because you, you know you're high enough in the air that's inaccurate, which was like one of the things too that came up, you know, with the the firebombing of the Japanese home islands was that they brought the planes down to lower altitudes to get you know a, a better result and it. And it just sort of made their casualty numbers go up. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if you're just flying a biplane like 50 to 100 feet off the ground and you're like briskly like you're, you're moving at the same speed as like the fast walking event at the Olympics, like <laughs> like you're, you're, you're probably going to you're probably going to hit near your target, too, which makes it a lot easier. You're not, not keeping up with the old people marching around the mall on Sunday morning. Like and not <laughs> not to take away from their achievement, but just it, it makes it a lot easier to hit. Right. The slower you're going and the uh, the the lower you are. Right. To the they ground. had again going back to that. They had a advantage because they were given shit basically to work with. Yeah. Yeah. And but but you also have to worry about you know like soldiers shooting you because like people forget that the Red Baron wasn't taken down you know by another fighter. He he was taken down by soldier. by, by soldiers on the ground. You know shooting up at Some them with their rifles. Redneck in Texas. Uh, Get off my property! Yeah. Shooting the drone. Uh, well, well, close enough. I, I believe the guy that's credited with the kill of the Red Baron is an Australian. Yeah, so. that's pretty much a redneck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, my favorite, my favorite thing. Uh, <laughs> those are Western rednecks. Uh, my favorite thing is uh, Steve told me about earlier this week was I, I think it was Steve who told me about the term spreadneck. 
referring to the what? referring to the people that are spreading the COVID virus in Florida. I think that was a I think that was a TikTok because he shared it with me. Spread now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she's almost choked my fucking beard. She's crazy. Oh my god! All right. So, oh my god. So these, so these ladies, are killing people. They're, they're not just killing people. I mean, they are Dro- wreaking havoc. Dropping thirty-eight points Germans. in forty-four minutes. This is this is Kobe putting up a hundred. Like this is yeah. this is un, unheard of for the Germans. They couldn't they could not comprehend this, and there's really no good way for them to fight back against this because again. They're cutting their fucking engines off. You can't hear them until the last second it's, when you look up and this bomb hits you in the face. Like this is gonna, it's a very this is gonna be strategy. up there now with like Simo uh, Haya and stuff. You know, the white death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah. this is amazing. Because the, uh, the Germans also don't use women. Like they had, they had women pilots, and like they don't really have like combat records, even though they wanted to actually be. You know, combat pilots—they wouldn't let them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just having these women like dunk on the Germans, who are very much like you know traditional family role type, yeah, type like reactionaries. And I do um, have a quote is, is just from a fighter thing. pilot for later on that he specifically talks about them. Hmm. Um, but so this will bring us to Nadiska Popova, who I talked about My earlier. Girl, man, she was. The most decorated of the regiment, and she was the night witch credited with flying 18 missions in one night, chasing the Axis as they retreated across Poland. And she had, now, she had a butt. 18 missions. She had a big fly butt. Out, drop bombs. <laughs> I'm just trying to throw and you fly off. back. Drop her butt. And then drop fly her butt. 18 times. Ugh. 18 times she dropped her load on the Nazis. Okay. Popova started flying at age 15, was a flight instructor by age 18, and decided to join up with the Red Army not long after her brother Leonid was killed in the early stages of Operation Barbarossa. She remembered, quote, I saw the German aircraft flying along our roads filled with people who were fleeing from their homes, firing at them with their machine guns. Seeing this gave me feelings inside that made me want to fight them. Unfortunately, when she tried to enlist, she was turned away with Popova later stating, quote, no one in the armed services wanted to give women the freedom to die. You, you have breasts, you must leave. <laughs> You have breasts, you are good for sex and nothing else. Do get, you get know going. what will happen to breast havers in our military? <laughs> <laughs> they become night witch. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, when the 588th was formed when she was 19 years old, Fly and log given cabin. her credentials, there was <laughs> <laughs> given her credentials, there was a place for her among the night witches. She would go on to fly a mind-boggling 852 missions during the war, despite, as she stated in an interview in 2009, quote, Almost every time we had to sail through a wall of enemy fire. In winter, when you look out to see your target better, you got frostbite. Our feet froze in our boots, but we carried on flying. It was a miracle we didn't lose more aircraft. Our planes were the slowest in the Air Force, and they often came back riddled with bullets. After returning from one mission where she was tasked with dropping supplies to ground troops, she found 42 bullet holes in her plane, one in her helmet, and three in her map. She joked to her navigator, quote, Katya, my dear, we will live long. And she did. She would go on to become a squadron commander and would end up surviving the war while receiving various honors. Among them, the hero of the Soviet Union, the Order of Lenin, a two-time recipient of the Order of the Now, Patriotic the Order of Lenin, that's class. a weird one. I only have six of those, so... 
<laughs> I got one of those in a Happy Meal one time. <laughs> a three-time recipient of the Order of the Red Banner, which is awarded... By the way, just so everyone knows, I'm not being a fucking misogynist. I'm just pretending to be a 2021 Twitter response to what Ryan's saying. Uh, from our earlier is uh, effectively our or the Soviet answer to our Congressional Medal of Honor um, awarded for extreme heroism and courage demonstrated in battle is it a Congressional Medal or is that given to civilians Medal of Honor I'm not sure the Congressional Medal of Honor is not given to civilians the Congressional Medal of Freedom is Uh, given to so it is a Congressional Medal of Honor you know what's funny is that's that's the catch 22 of uh, America is if you don't have one of those then you actually aren't guaranteed any of the freedoms in the Constitution. Like, you have to have that medal. Do you have one? <laughs> no. I got two. Is this the start of your uh, sovereign citizen? Like, if, I, if I sell you this medal... You know, uh, officer, I'm not really American, so I don't have to worry about your laws, so I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm not driving, I'm traveling, okay? I'm a free man on the uh, pathway traveling. Didn't you hear me listen to gypsy music? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh. Oh, man. Uh, for her life afterwards, uh, she would meet an airman named Semyon Karlamov, who she met after the two were both shot down Simeon separately, Rice, I might who add. Who taught her to two, <laughs> on- pump her legs. <laughs> Pump your uh, leg. He shot down on August 2nd, 1942. Uh, the two joined up and were hiking back to bases together. And while his face was covered in bandages and she was unable to see him, uh, the two headed off during their hike back to safety and got hitched almost immediately at the end of the war. Popova would continue her pre-war career as a flight instructor, ultimately living to the ripe old age of 91, dying on July 8th, 2013. So very recently, it was recently. Uh, and in her later years, Popova would reminisce about her time flying as a night witch, saying, quote, I sometimes stare into the blackness and close my eyes. I can still imagine myself as a young girl up there in my little bomber, and I ask myself, Nadia, how did you do it? Which, same? How did you do that? Yep. I, just the, the, little, the little bit that I know about them, which I'm and- sure there's tons that we don't know about them. The little bit that we do, I'm saying, you could have stopped at, hey, you're getting the shittiest plane in the fleet with no defense except for a fucking pistol. Good luck. Like, that's where I draw the line. Right? Well, I mean... Kind of. I was just talking about this yesterday, how, like, you almost have to... Like, faith, people people make fun of faith because people just believe in terrible things. But, uh... Mm -hmm. And just dumb things. But, like, you have to have it in various facets of your life. You just have to have it. There's there's points where you have to stop thinking rationally and basically just your only choice is to go with what you have and just believe that you can get the job done. And uh, Believe that what you know is true. Believe that the science is real. Believe you and, gotta put your faith and in I think that I think that a lot of these cases in history where you have someone who does something amazing, it's like uh, it's the only time you can. Like, it's like the Eddard Stark thing, like, uh, you know, were you brave when you when you were that scared? And it's like, oh, that's the only time you can be brave, you know? Like, the only time mm-hmm. you can do amazing shit is when you basically are set against ever doing that thing. Because if you wasn't, if it was amazing, then it, it has to be something that's not normally done, right? But it's even more hey, amazing. It's Tony Robbins. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it's even more amazing because they were given shit to work with, you know? So, like, 
Yeah. Not only did they do crazy shit, they did it with less capability than their male counterparts. So it's basically a modifier. It's a it's a it's a times two. They're they're cool points times two because they did it. With oh, less. Steve's the DM. I let him do it. I, I, you know. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> Just oh, this God. once. Don't don't get don't don't let it go to your head. Don't push it. Don't push it. <laughs> Yeah. As for uh, Marina Reskova, uh, the one that set the world record and ate two chocolate bars and, and basically essentially berated Stalin into creating the 588th, uh, on January 4th, 1943, Reskova's plane crashed en route to the front line. She was flying in very low visibility due to fog, but decided to press on even though she knew it was a reckless, or even though she knew it was reckless because she was in a hurry. In attempting to dive below the fog, she crashed into a riverbank and none of the crew on the plane survived. She was given the first state funeral of World War II, including a ceremony in the Red Square with full military honors. Her ashes were interred in the Wall of the Kremlin, where they remain to this day. Her eulogy was broadcast across the Soviet Union, and the New York Times reported she was, quote, a woman of high intelligence and great personal courage who became a heroine of the Soviet Union in both senses of the word. Her popularity was widespread, and her death is regarded as a great loss to the Soviet Union, to whose women she was held up as an example. In 1944, they ran another article, and remembered her as, quote, the greatest woman hero of air in this war, and the sharpest loss to the Soviets. Mm. And then, the Germans. The Germans. I, you know, I really didn't even have to look up how they felt about it. Right? Like, I, I, I was pretty sure that they were not huge fans. She killed us a bunch. We did not like <laughs> Hey, we like you, though. Hey, it's alright. It's all good. My it's German no, accent no. just sounds Russian now. <laughs> the woman kills us very often. Now, I can't attribute uh, exactly who this was. Uh, however, one German soldier, post Night Witch bombing, uh, was actually quoted as saying, quote, they were precise, merciless, and they came out of nowhere. The German fighter ace Johannes Steinhoff was quoted as saying, quote, We simply couldn't grasp that the Soviet pilots that gave us the greatest trouble were in fact women. These women feared nothing. The night witches were so hated by the Germans that if a soldier were to shoot a night witch down, that soldier was immediately awarded the Iron Cross. As far wow. as the nickname Nachtexen... I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I want to note that yeah, Johannes Steinhoff... Um, he eventually um, went on to be um, to be inspector of the Air Force for West Germany from 1966 to 1970, and he was also the chairman of the NATO Military Committee from 1971 to 1974. Wow! So like, so he was definitely a he was a legit guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bros, legit. Saying, we we couldn't we couldn't they were they were they were problems for us. This wasn't a, oh, yeah, no, we saw him, and, you know, we swatted him, like, fucking whatever. He literally was like, no, these were the planes that gave us issues. These were the ones that were, were pains in our asses. They were women, and they didn't care. They just YOLO'd it. They yeeted themselves right into the fucking <laughs> heat of battle. They just did not care. <laughs> it's like an amazing. Uh, as far as the the, uh, the nickname, Noctexan, which the Germans gave them, and they so proudly embraced. Which means Night Texan. Uh, Night Hexen, <laughs> Night Witch. Uh, it is widely speculated that it is because of the whooshing sound that the planes made as they glided through the air, uh, like the imagined sound of a witch flying on her broomstick. 
that's what I had always heard up to this point, that they the Nazis called them the Noct Hexans because they wouldn't hear them until... You the ever play Hexen back like in the day, the PC oh, game? Sheesh. Nah, it's like a Doom variant, you know? Except it was like me. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah. I was. I was going to make the joke that that's the uh, the version of Hexen that has uh, <laughs> that you know that it's all it's all darked out. You know, it's not, yeah. You know, they 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 invert the white. <laughs> <laughs> I have Hexen. I have it. If you want to play it, let me know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have to pay for um, it. <laughs> so the problem is. And I looked, I searched, I actually, I, I legitimately did a bunch of research for this. This is, this wasn't kind of like a, I read the wiki and like wrote a cool script. Like, no, like I actually w- went into Russian military um, records and translated them into English via Google Translate to read about these, these women. It's so everything is legit and verified as far as I know uh, by evidence. However, what I could not find is any evidence as to why the Germans uh, called them the Nachtexen. And obviously, there's, you know, nothing that, or there's no German soldier that would have ever heard a witch flying on a broomstick to be able to compare the two. Uh, So (laughs) I would posit that it wasn't so much the sound that earned them the name, uh, but the fact that it was women flying at night on aircraft made of wood, not unlike a witch flying on a broomstick. Yeah. That's my hypothesis. It sounds a lot cooler to be like, oh, they were Nachtexen because they're flying in the whoosh and it's all you can hear. They, <laughs> they cackled and shit as they drop bombs. Like, it sounds cool. It makes for an excellent story and it kind of gets it gets people to do what I'm doing right here. I heard some cool shit and looked up and I was like, oh, it's not as cool as it sounded, but it's actually way fucking cooler. I think, realistically, they were like, there's a bunch of women flying on wooden planes that are bombing the shit out of us. Nachtexen? Yeah, Nachtexen. Like, you know. <laughs> in an event. <laughs> Whatever the case for their namesake, in the end, for their heroism, almost 1 in 10 of the women from the 588th were awarded the Hero of the Soviet Union Award. And while that award was given out almost 13,000 times of the entire life of the Soviet Union, yeah, I've had a couple. badass ladies from the 588th yeah. accounted for approximately 1 in 4 of all women who ever received the award. Jeez. In total, <laughs> the regiment collectively accumulated... 28,676 flight hours dropped over 3,000 tons of bombs, 26,000 incendiary shells, damaging or completely destroying 17 river crossings, 9 railways, 2 railway stations, 86 railway cars, 26 warehouses, 12 fuel depots, 176 armored cars, 86 firing points, 11 searchlights, and an untold number of German soldiers. And a partridge and a fucking pear tree. (laughs) In addition to the bombings, the unit performed 155 supply drops of food and ammunition to Soviet forces in the field and on Sending the salamis to your boy in the army. <laughs> hey, look up. Vodka is dropping they to you. Dropping vodka and cigarettes. Vodka and I almost salamis. couldn't do it because this shitbox plane could not get me here. I'm flying low. The Italians lost water quick, so we get their meat. <laughs> oh, I thought you going to say their meatballs. Their meatballs. <laughs> Of the 261 women who served in the regiment, surprisingly only 32 lost their lives, and of those, a handful of them did not even die in combat, but rather died of tuberculosis. So, the Nazis could not even kill 30 total. Wow. Of 261, and remember, flying multiple missions a night, not just one and done. They each 
collectively, or they each had a couple hundred missions under their belt, and only, we'll say 30. It's 32 total lost their lives. I couldn't find an exact number for how many died of tuberculosis. Let's just say it was two. The Nazis couldn't kill more than 30 of these women. And following the end of the war, the squadron was not disbanded, but instead named the 46th Tamen Guards Night Bomber Aviation Regiment and continued to fly missions for the Soviets. Uh, the 588th also was the only unit in the war to actually remain an all-women regiment through until the end. Uh, all the other ones integrated men at some point. Uh, they were the only ones to actually stay all women. That makes sense. And that, my friends, is the story of the Nachtexen. Not the not Texans. The Nock Texans. We're all not Texans. <laughs> yeah. If they they would have given them the 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 hook 'em horns if you know it was the uh, <laughs> Keep Austin the weird. The horns. That's amazing. That's it. So um wait, what I'm hoping that I did not disappoint with my hijacking. That nah, was good. What happened to Marina Roskova? Marina Raskova crashed her plane and died along with her crew members. Ah, dang. Yeah, it's 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 actually like like people don't really realize how easy it is to like crash your plane. Like it happens all the time. Like I feel like there there's a test range here in Florida and when I was in the Boy Scouts and like I wanna say forget when it was two thousand fourteen. <laughs> yeah, but like a fire pilot like crashed his jet there. And died, and it like it happens all the time because like they get mixed up. Like it's very easy to get mixed up when you're in the air yeah. about your altitude and like where you're at. Yeah. And like sometimes too, if you're doing like a like a maneuver, you can get the the ground and the air like mixed up, mm-hmm. and you, you can essentially like slam into the ground because you think you're pulling up when you're pulling down. Jeez. So a lot of that too is uh, there's a term, and I, off the top of my head. I can't remember it, um, and one of the docs that I work with is probably screaming right now because I can't think of the name of the term of just flying by instrument, but the doc himself is a pilot, and he recently got his certification to fly by instrument. It's basically they just black out the cockpit, and you can only use your instruments to determine your speed, your altitude, you know, and they have, and I don't know what it's called, but there's that ball that it's brown on the bottom, blue on top, and if it, it, it'll show you, like, your plane, if it's upright, if it's, you know, to the sides, whatever. So. Altimeter? It is possible to fly with absolutely no visual cues whatsoever. Uh, it's just very difficult. And, I mean, even difficult nowadays. I can't imagine how difficult it was, you know, 80 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, and, and also in, like, the adverse conditions of, of, like, middle of nowhere Russia. Also the adverse conditions of being in shit box planes. <laughs> I think you're just talking about a gyroscope, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, that might be it. Yeah. yeah. There... Like the the speedometer on the plane is just a sticker, like it's not even like, a, like an actual like speedometer or whatever. The, the plane al- is the still al- going zero, but we are moving. <laughs> I don't the understand. The throttle looks like a weed whacker. It's got the little rabbit and the turtle. Yeah. It's it's like it's like a children's toy where you have to turn the dial to like turn turn the speedometer to like what you think the speed is. That's amazing. Oh man! Now, how much of it is like an exploit? Like just the fact that they were going slow and that the military was not prepared to deal with that threat, and how much of it was the fact that they were just fucking lucky? Like, I mean, 
I'm willing to bet it was a lot of luck. I know they're I'm skilled. Sure that there's no way they. I'm assuming know. they're skilled. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm just saying, like, very skilled. Yeah. But one way or the other, there's got to be something that gives them a slight edge, and then on top of that, there's got to be some luck involved. Uh, having a fucking cervix of steel is just giving them their edge. Like I don't. Nothing's I, 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 getting I, through I here. About it. <laughs> I thought about it. Like, you hear stories of, like, heroism and shit, and it's like, yo, but this is, like, extra. Like, they set the bar. Like, you say hero, I want to hear that you climbed out onto the wing of a plane and kicked the fucking bomb off. Like, that's, that's the shit I want to hear about. Yeah. Yep. It's freaking crazy, man. I've never heard of it before. Next week, we'll return with an episode uh, about the Quakers. That's going to be <laughs> that's gonna be by the other Steve, me. I'm going to... I'm writing nine thousand words about the Quakers. You're from the Quakers. Jersey, you're writing a you're writing the nine thousand words about a sub shop. I'm gonna write nine thousand <laughs> words about the vinegar and oil at Louis Primo subs. You're, you're gonna you're gonna make your impassioned plea to add Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame. Listen, he didn't I'm do anything wrong. This guy is so consistent. Pete Rose needs to go to the Hall. Pete Rose has used the flow bee to cut his hair for the last forty years. All right, he is. He's consistent, okay? His, he looks like a bowling his, alley midwife. He is I'm free, just, free I'm just saying his <laughs> his wife is is an assassin with the Floby. Like, yeah. Isn't she in like she the, just gets she's in, in there. the uh, She's Asian Wife Hall of Fame, right? What's her name? Pete Rose wife. She's like a porn star, she right? She was a she was a playboy she was a playmate. Yeah, Kiana Kim. Like what is that? Yeah. Pete Rose is the guy you're with. Maybe he's Charlie Hustle in bed, too. You know, I don't know. Uh, Bre- <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that's his name, Charlie Hustle. You know, I mean, maybe he gets it I done. Mean, I mean, I, I think the only rule that we have to have is that if we're going to do an episode on a baseball player, it's going to be a memorial episode for Nails when he dies. <laughs> so, because like the first uh, uh, Lenny, Lenny Dykstra. Dykstra yeah. Oh, my God. Surprisingly, still alive, but. When, when Lenny Dykstra dies, we'll have to do a commemorative episode for him yeah. and his his whole experience and how, how any time he's gotta he did, be like fifty and like three hundred fifty pounds, right? He's something. God, he's like old and fat now. He is he is fifty eight years old. God damn. And and apparently, like any time he does anything, like if he signs an autograph for a for a literal child. Like he'll tell a story about like how he's eating pussy once. Just the also, worst human alert, being. Lady, Lady Dykstra sent creepy sexual tweets to Lena Dunham. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's <laughs> oh, he is ridiculous, oh. dude. He's a ridiculous person. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, dude. We could probably do like my, a recent like history episode about Lenny Dykstra. My, 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 we could just we could just read his magazine that he made. Which was for professional sports players to spend their money more quickly. It wasn't a guide to like how you can save your money and like prevent yourself from becoming like a thirty for thirty episode. It was like no, this is how you spend your money the fastest. Oh my god! It was oh called the god. Players do, Club, I think. We could do a reading series on old Lenny. All right. Well, uh, that was great, Ryan. Thank on that you. note. Yep. Good night. Great job. Peace. Thank you guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night.